This morning, uh, we're continuing our series. We have three more messages yet on the city of God. And we're going to continue our series this morning by reading from another prophet, the prophet Isaiah, chapter 26. We'll be reading the whole, whole chapter this morning. Um, before we do, though, I would like a volunteer. Uh, here's my qualifications for the volunteer. Needs to be a person who is 13, 14, or 15 years old. Are there any 13, 14, or 15-year-olds in church, first of all, who are willing to come up here and, and uh, uh, spend some time with me? I, I promise I won't embarrass you too badly. Anyone? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller? No one? Because they saw what I did to Jacob Witt before, and they're scared of that. I'm not going to do it to Jacob. All right, awesome. Come on up here. Mr. Hicks. Everyone, this is Alex Hicks. I'm going to give you this microphone. Alex, uh, tell us what grade you're going into. Uh, ninth grade. Alex is going high school years. Big deal. That's awesome. Um, did you have a good summer so far? So far, nothing bad's happened. Ah. I like the positive attitude. <laughs> That's awesome. I love it. So, um, Alex, tell me, do you have a girlfriend? No. No. Ladies. <laughs> um, that's good, actually, because I want to tell you about somebody. Oh, jeez. I want to tell you about Andrea. How old are you? You're... 14. You're 14. 15 in August. 15 in August, all right? Andrea is 15 years old. And Andrea, she is just a wonderful young woman. She actually, she makes bank. She has this great babysitting service that she's, she's sort of got like four or five people. Like, you know, like if you have children, there's the babysitting jobs and then there's the great paying babysitting jobs. She's eliminated all the babysitting jobs to keep the great ones. So Andrea makes bank. She actually has about $2,000 in her savings fund. Do you have that amount, Alex? No. You don't have that. All right. You got some work to do. Start babysitting or mowing lawns. So Andrea, she, she makes, she, and she's very, very smart. She has a 4.0, and she wants to be a physical therapist someday. She, she's excited about, about helping people get better. Does that sound good to you? Does that sound like a... a, a so a, far. So far? Okay. So she's, she's, she's pretty. She's uh, smart. She's, she's, she's got, and she, you know what? She likes to cook. Does food mean anything at all to you, Alex? Yes. All right. Okay. Because <laughs> you're... Uh, high school freshman and you eat everything in the whole house. Right, Hicks? Yeah, okay, that's where he is. Uh, so, um, here's what I'm going to do. All right. All right. Okay. I'm ordained. I'm ordained in the church and thus I can marry people. I am offering to you next week to marry you and Andrea. And she's on board. Okay, she's on board. Pretty girl, smart girl, already set up for some good stuff in the future. Alex, what do you say? No. I'm surprised. 
Maybe when you're like 24 years old, a girl who has prospects and some prospects and some dough is going to sound a little bit different to you, but maybe it doesn't right now. So Alex, there's nothing that I could do. I couldn't tell you how great life would be with Andrea. I couldn't tell you how pretty she is. I couldn't tell you how great a family she comes from. None of that would convince you to marry her next week. I mean, later in life, maybe, but I still got my life. <laughs> Alex, you're a really smart man. <laughs> because, of course I'm joking. Even though I could sign a piece of paper and you could be married with your parents' permission and her parents' permission. Please don't. I would, I would. <laughs> you're upstaging me, Alex. I don't like it. Um, I would never ask you to really do that. Thank you. Because at 15 years old, you do. You've got some growing up to do. I mean, you've, you've, you've got to get a license to drive someday. Only one more year. And one more year. August. Yeah, dad's scared right now. You've got a lot of life ahead of you. And of course, all of us, if we were to tell you why you shouldn't get married, the reasons would be so many, of course. Right? Alex, thank you for coming up. I appreciate you being willing to embarrass yourself a little bit. Thanks. Let's praise God for Alex. Now, why would I do that with Alex this morning in light of Isaiah 26? Well, here's why. Isaiah 26 is a passage that is a tradition and sort of in a mode of several different passages uh, of Scripture that give sort of two sides. They give what could be and what, what, um, what the other choice might be. And so often in the text, we hear about, uh, we hear about these, these negative things and the things that move towards the negative stuff and all the consequences of that. So if like Alex were to be married at 14 years old, we would hear, um, you know, of the, the consequences of that, that, that he would, you know, they, they'd probably have a very difficult time. There, there would be pain, that there would be hurt. They'd have a lot to do to grow up and mature and figure things out. And on the other side, we hear how that there are these people who see that thing that is negative, but hold it up and say, "What? well, you know what, this is what we want to do. In fact, there's a passage of scripture, a very famous one. It's the Psalm. It's tradition calls it the Psalm of two roads. Does anybody know which Psalm that is? Psalm of two roads. It's very simple. It's Psalm 1. If you turn in your Bibles, you can look at Psalm 1. It talks about two choices that can be made. One that develops and ends up in consequence. And one that develops and ends up in this life of godliness and beauty and love. Psalm 1 is actually a psalm that me as a pastor very much encourage you to memorize. This morning in Isaiah 26, we get a similar mode. We get this almost this, this contrast of two cities. And we hear much more about God's city, as we well should. But we also hear about the consequence of not living in God's city and living what is called in the text here this morning, a lofty city. A city that believes in itself to be high, to be mighty, to be better than God's city or better than any other city. Let's spend some time in the text to begin. 
because we get exposed to those two cities right from the beginning in the first five verses, actually first six. In that day, this song will be sung in the land of Judah. We have a strong city. These are God's people singing the song. God makes salvation. It's walls and ramparts. Open the gates that the righteous nation may enter, the nation that keeps faith. You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord himself, is the rock eternal. He humbles those who dwell on high. He lays the lofty city low. He levels it to the ground and casts it down to the dust. Feet trample it down, the feet of the oppressed, the footsteps of the poor. So in this first section, we hear about these two cities, and we hear some words that are used to describe and qualify these two cities. First of all, for God's city. The words used are the words righteous, and faith, and peace, and trust. This is the sort of city that I'm sure if we pull the room that all of us long for. We long for more righteousness in our lives and in our world around us. We long to be people of faith and trust in God. We long to have more peace because our peace is, is something that if we don't have it sends us into turmoil and struggle and challenge. We, we long for these qualifiers in our lives. We don't want the other kind of city. The lofty city, here, and here we describe it. What are, what are the words used? It's a humbled city. It's a cast down city. It's a trampled city. These are all qualifiers that are used for that negative that has been held up. This, this city of unrighteousness, if we use the uh, opposite words. It's a city of conflict instead of a city of peace. It is a city of distrust. It's a lofty city that maybe that pursues instead of God's values, the world's values. The world's values that tell you and I Get what you can get while the getting is good. Do your best to get whatever you can. Do your best to pursue pleasure. Do your best to gain your own independence so you can do whatever it is that you want to do. And what we hear from this text this morning is that that sort of mindset, that sort of attitude, that sort of lifestyle ends up in this city of pain. A city may consider itself lofty, but it's a city that's so often in pain and burden, hurt, and the consequence of sin. Instead, God gives us his city, a city that I want to live in, a city that I know that you want to live in. And then he begins to help us understand in the text how we understand what living in that city is, beginning at verse 7. We read this. The path of the righteous is level. You, the upright one, make the way of the righteous smooth. Yes, Lord, walking in the ways of your laws, we wait for you. 
Your name and renown are the desire of our hearts. Listen to those words. And then listen to this next verse. My soul yearns for you in the night. In the morning, my spirit longs for you. When your judgments come upon the earth, the people of the world learn righteousness. We hear what it means to live in God's city. We hear what it means for us to understand and pursue and in, in our desire to be in this city instead of the city of conflict and the city of pain and distrust. What it means to be in the city of righteousness and peace and faith. What is it that happens? There is this yearning, this longing, the desire for what? God's law. We hear that there is this longing for God's word to not only to understand more about what God's word is, but then also impart the wisdom of God's word into our lives through the Holy Spirit's work and presence in us. We want to take, if we want to be in God's city, we want to take the truths of this, the precepts. Precepts simply means it's another word for law or directives. We want, to, we want to hear the commands of this in our lives and pull them in and say, yes, now this is a part of me. And when I get this is a part of me, I want even more of it. It means that the thing that you and I wake up in the morning longing for, desiring for, is not for whatever other thing it is, for more Pokemon or whatever thing the world tells you that you want more of. You want more of God. You want more of Christ. You want more of what this gives. And that becomes your desire. To, and that desire forms and shapes you in a way which you are made more completely a citizen of the city of God. Do you long for God's word? Do you hunger for more of it? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand. How many of us haven't picked up a Bible since last Sunday? How many of us have longed for our daily devotional times except there's always been something blocking us? There's always been something that's gotten in the way, right? There's always been something that stops us. Maybe we just wake up and we're, as we so often are in our culture, busy. Maybe you and I are so consumed with, and I know it sounds frivolous, but there's a reality to it. We are consumed by things like Pokemon Go. There are addicts in this room, by the way, and just to be clear about that. There are addicts to Pokemon Go in this room because that's what they long for. Maybe you long for pleasure. Maybe you long for achievement. Maybe you long... God is saying here, long for me, hunger for me. And we as a church, I can stand up here and I can say that to you. Go and hunger and long for more of God's word. Go home and, and set your alarm tomorrow for 7 o'clock in the morning or 6 o'clock in the morning or 5 o'clock in the morning and get up and read God's word. I can encourage you to do that and I certainly want to. But I also want to equip you to be able to do that. And so we are going to equip you. 
This coming fall, beginning September 11, we are doing what is called Project 119. Project 119 is a project that we are doing as a full church. It lasts for 119 days. It's based upon the idea of Psalm 119. If you open your Bibles to Psalm 119, it's the longest psalm in all of Scripture, and it almost in every verse says the exact same thing over and over again. It simply says this, I love your law, O Lord. And I long for more of it in my life. Well, we want to equip you to love God's law more. To long for it, to have that desire, to have that yearning. And so for 119 days, as you get ready in August, we'll do some sign-ups. You will receive every single day a text message or a Facebook post or an email, or maybe none of those are your uh, mode of communication, you will receive paper that gives you that day's exercise to engage in God's law. Because we want that hunger, we want that yearning, we want that desire, don't we? Sometimes we just don't know how to do it. We want to learn how to do it together. And there's different ways that you can sign up. You can sign up to listen, and that's simply, you'll get one verse in the morning, and that verse will be your verse for the day, and all you get to do is read it or listen to it or open it up in your Bible and maybe underline it. And maybe the next stage is learn. You're going to read a couple verses of text, and maybe you're going to answer a question or two. Or maybe you're going to, if you have a study Bible, you're going to look up a footnote and figure out a little bit more about that verse so that you can learn more, and then that learning grow more in your desire and your yearning for God. Growing, when we get to the point of growing, it means we're getting big blocks of text that get sent to us. Maybe 10, maybe 15 verses, maybe a whole chapter. And in that, then we're going to journal. We're going to spend maybe 10, 15 minutes writing down some ideas, writing down some thoughts, writing down some of what God has for us in his word that day. And finally, being transformed. That's the last sort of way that you can engage. It means all the other stuff will come to you. But then you can come into a group, a group of maybe eight, nine, ten people. Maybe your men's Bible group, men's Bible study. Maybe it's a, a group that you're here at Legacy Nights and you're meeting together to discuss what God is giving you, what God is challenging with you with this week so that you can grow in your desire for God's word. We want to equip you. So you're going to be hearing a lot about that, especially when Nick gets back. I think it's going to be like a huge, like blow up of all these ideas that are, are going to come. It's going to be sort of fun and scary to watch at the exact same time. But when, when, when uh, there's a lot of people who have done a lot of work on this already, and you're going to be hearing a lot about this as the summer goes on, but it's an idea to get us longing and yearning, hungering for more of God's word. Why? Because we don't want this city. We don't want to be citizens. We don't want to live there. We want to live here, city of righteousness, city of peace. And we begin to hear a little bit more about that other city in verse 10 of chapter 26. But when grace is shown to the wicked, they do not learn righteousness. Even in a land of uprightness, they go on doing evil. And do not regard the majesty of the Lord. Lord, your hand is lifted high but they do not see it. 
Let them see your zeal for your people and be put to shame. Let the fire reserved for your enemies consume them. God's grace is shown to all. God's grace, we hear it in the text here. We hear it in verse 10. But when grace is shown to who? The righteous? When grace is shown to the perfect? When grace is shown to the churchgoers? When grace is shown to those who desire, yearn, and long for God's law? No, we hear when grace is shown to the wicked. God's grace is shown to all. We know that for sure. We know that is clearly shown. We know, we call these, actually there's a doctrine for this. It's called special grace for those who know Jesus and common grace. Grace that is shown to all the world. The sun rises not just for the righteous, but for all, right? There are many healthy people who do not bow the name of Jesus, There are good marriages out there and neither of the couple claims to be a follower of Jesus Christ. God's grace, common grace, is shown to the whole world. The problem is that they don't have ears to hear and eyes to see. Listen to that grace action of God's love in their lives and say thank you. Now, God has shown his grace to you. And maybe you are not a Christ follower. Maybe you are still wondering. You have questions. You're not sure about who this whole Jesus is. Think back in your life where places where something extraordinary has been given to you that you never expected. Maybe it was a relationship. Maybe it was a clear diagnosis when your health was bad. Maybe it was in some, some finances that came your way when you n- thought you were in big, big trouble. God has shown his grace to you. You may not acknowledge Jesus, but he has acknowledged you. Hear that grace and that love in your life. Hear it for what it is. Don't be like those who do not listen, as the text says. Do not be like those who reject it as simply fortuitous, coincidence. It was good luck. I don't believe in luck. I believe in God's action in my life. I don't believe in in anything just simply being coincidental because I worship a God where there's no random molecules in the universe. He's in control of all things. It means God has shown up. Are we listening to that? Are we hearing that? And the text goes on, verse 12. Lord, establish your peace for us. All that we have accomplished, you have done. God is the actor. God is, you've heard that from me over and over again. God is the one doing things in our lives. Lord our God, other lords besides you have ruled over us, but your name alone do we honor. They are now dead, but they live no more. Their spirits do not rise. You punished them and brought them to ruin. You wiped out all memory of them. You enlarged the nation, Lord. You have enlarged the nation. You have gained glory for yourself. You have extended all the borders of the land. We hear over and over the consequence of this city, of this place, and we hear the other side of it, the blessing 
of God's action in our lives. But then we get this incredible verse. And everyone, I want you to hear this verse for your lives because all of us at some point will need it. It's verse 16 and it says this. Lord, they came to you in their distress when you disciplined them. They could barely whisper a prayer. How many of you have been in that spot before? You're so consumed by pain and struggle and distress and frustration that you feel like you can't barely even whisper a prayer. Anyone? You know where that is? I know where that is. I know that place. It's the place where you can't catch your breath because you think about the pain in your life, the pain maybe that you've caused for yourself and for others, or maybe pain that's been caused to you. Maybe there's a situation that's so out of your control that you feel like you don't know how to fix it, how to change it, how to transform it. You just feel like you're stuck, like you're locked in, like there's this cage around you and you don't know where to go and all you can simply say and I've said this before is to say help now I hope when you hear that verse you hear another as well I hope you hear Romans 8.26. Someone turn in their Bibles to Romans 8.26 and I want someone to volunteer to stand up and read that with full voice Romans 8, 26. Anyone got it? Anyone? Don't make me ask Alex again. Romans 8, 26. Please. That's uh, King James Version, correct? All right. That's good. I want to make it a little bit easier for us to understand, so I'm going to read it in the New International. In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. It sounds a little bit like When we are in that place of distress, we have a great intercessor. Who is it? Who is it? Holy Spirit, the work of Jesus Christ imparting to us the Holy Spirit, which is present in us, even when we are struggling, even when we are so weak, all we can do is simply say, The Spirit comes and rescues us. It's not just us working to long and to have desire and to hope to be in the city of God. It is Christ himself coming to us through the Holy Spirit, being present with us when we can't, we can't, we don't know what to do. We don't know how to fix it. The Spirit himself comes through the work of Jesus Christ and moves us. Come Be with me. And I want you to hear that verse this morning. 
Verse 16 in Isaiah 26 and Romans 8, 26 for the simple reason that I want you to be reminded when that moment comes, when that time comes and it is so consuming the pain in your life, the burden in your life, feeling trapped in your life, that you can do nothing except say, help. That God is present in you through the Holy Spirit because of the work of Jesus Christ. And when you and I whisper, help, come, help, Lord Jesus, God answers. That's the promise. Hear the promise. Yes, we can long for and desire to be in God's city. We can long for his word which teaches us about it. But for us to be constantly be reminded that it's Christ himself who intercedes and says, this is one of mine, Lord. I want him to come live in me, with me in our city. For us to constantly be willing to make that whisper with our lives. And then we hear the rest of the text. As a pregnant woman about to give birth, rise and cries out in her pain, so you were, were we in your presence, Lord. We were with child, we writhed in labor, but we gave birth to wind. We have not brought salvation to the earth and the people of the world have not come to life. Just simply a reminder that we are not God. But your dead will live, Lord. Their bodies will rise. Let those who dwell in the dust wake up and shout for joy. Your dew is like the dew of the morning. The earth will give birth to her dead. And then we hear this in verse 20. Go, my people, enter your rooms. Shut the doors behind you. Hide yourselves for a little while till his wrath is passed by. See, the Lord is coming out of his dwelling to punish the people of the earth for their sins. The earth will disclose the blood shed on it. The earth will conceal its slain no longer. For us to hear from verse 20, go my people, enter your room, shut the doors behind you, hide yourselves for a little while. I hope you are reminded almost immediately again of the words of Jesus. Matthew 23, verse 37. What does Jesus say about his city? I long to gather you as a... Hen gathers her chicks under her wings. It's a longing that Christ has for us to seek refuge in him. For us to seek shelter in him. And the promise is this. When we go and enter our rooms and shut the doors. Shut the wings of Jesus behind us. That when God's wrath come. Verse 21 doesn't sound like a very fun verse to experience for myself. When God's wrath comes and I am in the shelter of the wings of Jesus, God's wrath passes by. I am in his city. He has gathered me like a hen has gathered its chicks underneath his wings through the work of Jesus Christ. Through the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit, which moves me to say help. And that help I call for, long for Jesus. And Jesus comes and gathers me to himself under his wings and says, now you're safe. The city of God is a refuge. But the city of God is something that we experience the refuge of through Jesus. Longing. 
for Jesus. Now, I don't want you to go away this morning feeling like you simply need to go home and long for Jesus more. I mean, I, I, I love that idea. But I know if I just force you to go out those doors feeling like you are not doing enough, you have not worked hard enough, you have not longed enough for Jesus, then I'm not sharing with you the absolute most important word of the Christian faith. And that word is simply this, grace. The grace of Jesus is that he is the one who does the longing work in you. The grace of Jesus is that he is the one who moves in you to transform you more, to want more of him. Simply, maybe our prayer this week becomes more of this. Help. 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 Because the promise of God is that when we don't even know how to ask for all that stuff that we long for, we don't know how to get it, we're not capable enough, we're not strong enough, for us to simply utter the word, help. God's made a promise. The comforter comes. He comes and meets us. He comes and encourages us. He comes and gives you and I hope plan, purpose, gives you grace. He gives you love. He gives you the power to stand, to breathe, to walk, to work. God's grace is what does it for us to simply utter that word, help. God's promise that he, the comforter would come. And what do we say about God and his promises? He always, keeps his promises. Let's pray. Jesus Christ, you have always been faithful to us. And this morning we cry out to you, help. Some of us whisper it because we don't even know what to ask for. We don't know how to get out of what we're in. We don't know how to get out of the bondage of our addiction. We don't know how to work through this broken relationship. We don't know how to fix this thing that has consumed us. Some of us simply say help because we know we need your guidance for today. As we drive down the street, as we do the things that we do at home, as we go where we go and do what we do, we simply need you to come, show us your grace, and work in us that we might show the world more of you. And some of us yell out the word help. We yell out the word help, almost Lord, in gratitude because we know that you have been faithful in the past to us. We have seen your grace and your love over and over again. You have shown us your city and it is glorious. And we want to shout that world word help so that the world might hear, that people around us that we care for might hear us cry the word help and themselves through the work of your spirit, the grace that you show us all they might cry that word too. That they might leave the borders of their lofty city and that you, Lord, with them might take a step towards yours. And as you take that step with them, maybe that with us, 
and gather us under your wings. You shelter us. You give us a place where we know we are in safe refuge because you're always faithful to your promises. Father, thank you for that. Continue to strengthen us towards that word, help today. In Christ we pray, amen.